is RAF with Tony Tone and LA. <laughs> Yo, what's up? It's your boy LA, aka the Love Ambassador, coming to you straight live and direct from the Jungle Studios. Well, actually, now the Jungle Studios have changed since coronavirus. I'm now on the East Coast. Um, and yeah, it's been some very, very crazy times financially, um, health wise, lockdown, politics wise. Uh, the news is just non stop on it. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to read something a little bit different. Um, the article is taken from The Economist by Tamarco and Villa del Rosario. And what it's about is the prolonged fight that America has on the war of drugs against cocaine. And the title is uh, Burning Leaves, Spurning Levers. The United States pays for a pointless drug war in Colombia, but is less keen to help with a huge refugee crisis. Uh, what's interesting about this is um, with the current change of our current society, will there be more of a heartfelt understanding for refugees that are in problems, or will the borders shut and we go into more of a let's look after our own? It's an interesting article, so let us begin. A plume of pink smoke wafts through the treetops, sitting where the Black Hawk helicopter should land. They settle down and one at a time rest their front wheels on the hillside. It is too steep to land properly, so they keep their rotors whirring while the passengers alight and then immediately lift off again. The Colombian government is pulling up coca bushes, the leaves of which are used to make cocaine. It is a costly task both in blood and treasure. <clears throat> Ten Colombians were killed during coca eradication operations in 2019 and 50 were wounded. Gun-toning police stand guard on the hillside near Tamarco in southwestern Colombia to scare off gangsters Right police with shields, batons and tear gas grenades stand ready to. Their job is to deal with angry cocoa farmers who object to having their crops destroyed. They wear anti-slash gloves in a case a farmer expresses his feelings with a machete. Well, I guess if that's your livelihood, you would be quite annoyed indeed. Uh, dogs sniff the field for landmines, which gangsters sometimes plant to make eradication more hazardous. Happily, they find none. Finally, men working in pairs uproot the cocoa bushes with a shovel and a two-handed tug. They are farmers flown in from other parts of Colombia, so they cannot be identified by the gangs. They are paid well to compensate for the risk and long absences from home. President Ivan Duque administration is trying to wipe out cocoa, as the United States insists it must. Last year, it destroyed 100,000 hectares of it, twice as much as the previous administration managed in 2017. However, Cocaleros replanted slightly more. Cocoa was grown in 212,000 hectares of Colombia in 2019, 2% more than the previous year. According to estimates released by the White House on March 5th, and the new bushes were higher yielding than the ones they replaced. Potential pure cocaine production rose by 8% to 951 tonnes. That's a lot up the nose. Both the White House and the Duke administration try to put a positive spin on these dismal numbers. The number of cocoa fields is stabilised, they argue, after rising sharply over the previous decade. Well, for your money and your exercise, you could probably put a political spin on it. 
But as long as people want to store cocaine, it will be hard to stop people from growing cocoa. Demand is brisk. Some 2 million Americans took the drug in 2018. I'd like to know who they actually interviewed. Openly tells them to get these figures. Up from 1.4 million in 2011. According to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, Colombia produces perhaps 70% of the world's cocaine. If somehow eradication reduced the supply significantly, the price would rise, raising the incentives for farmers to plant more cocoa, good old-fashioned supply and demand. And as a helicopter ride over southwestern Colombia illustrates, there is plenty of space on which to grow it. The forest stretches to the horizon in every direction, punctuated only by smouldering gaps where it has been slashed and burned to make way for more cocoa bushes. Colombia is twice the size of France. Gangs encourage cocoa farmers to encroach in national parks, which are 11% of Colombian. Police can only enter in consultation with their leaders. In areas with no good roads, farmers struggle to get alternative crops suppliers to market. Cocoa leaves, by contrast, are light, and the buyers come knocking on your door. Since farmers seldom own the land they sow, they are not deterred by threats to confiscate it. Small wonder that Mr. Dog's predecessor, John Manuel Santos, likened the war on drugs to peddling a stationary bicycle. Yet President Donald Trump urges Colombia to pedal harder. He demands that it resume aerial spraying of herbicide and coca fields. This stopped in 2015 after the World Health Organization said it might cause cancer. Spraying by hand continues. Men in hazmat suits carefully target individual plants. Mr. Trump wants to dump clouds of glyphosate over white areas again. You're going to have to spray, he told Mr. Doc Marchford. If you don't spray, you're not going to get rid of the cocoa fields. Well, all right, Trumpsky. It's going to kill half the population as well from pesticide. Colombia may have to comply. The Trump administration has previously threatened to be certified as an ally in the war on drugs, which could trigger sanctions and the withdrawal of American aid. Aggressive forced eradication is a way of appeasing the US government, writes Vanda Felbob Brown, the Brookings, of Brookings Institute think tank. Since 2000, the United States has given Colombia more than 11 billion dollars to fight drugs and deal with insurgencies. For not 2019 to 20, Congress has approved $418 million in aid to continue the war and also to promote peace with ex-rebels and rural, rural development. In 2016, the FARC, the largest insurgent group, signed a peace deal and has created a vacuum for power. In remote areas with a state of more or less absent, dozens of local leaders are being murdered. Intensive forced eradication of cocoa makes murders worse. It alienates rural Colombians from the state, argues Mr. Philbert Brown, and so makes it harder to pacify the cocoa growing areas. Often the state destroys a farmer's livelihood today and offers an alternative such as a road to get papayas to market sometime in the future. To peasants who live hand to mouth, this is unappealing. Meanwhile, obviously, with the Venezuelan crisis, it's got even harder, and obviously with the issues of um, coronavirus as well. In particular, they're streaming like there's no tomorrow from Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela economy shrank by two-thirds between 2013 and 19, mainly because of the ineptitude of Nicolas Maduro's dictatorship. The proportion of Venezuelans who are extremely poor has risen from 10% in 2014 to an incredible 85% in 2018. I had a choice between buying shoes for my kids or food, said one uh, expatriate. Now she sits in um, 
feeding center and a truck port trying to make ends meet in Colombia. Of the 4.5 million Venezuelans who have left the country, Colombia has absorbed a staggering 1.8 million. Its foreign-born population has risen 14-fold since 2013. The pressure on the border is likely to intensify. The price of oil, Venezuela's only big export besides people, has crashed. Peru and Ecuador, two of Colombia's navies, which had previously accepted lots of refugees, have now closed the borders. The rest of the world is helping, but not much. It will cost about $1.5 billion a year, or 0.5% of GDP for Colombia to cope with the influx humanely, said the IMF. Clinics are finding it harder, and the health service is obviously put under an enormous amount of stress. Uh, Colombians feel a historic obligation. Many of them went to work in Venezuela, Venezuela back in the days when Venezuela was prosperous and Colombia was not. Venezuela is a culturally similar and speak the same language, though assimilate relatively easily. Because the refugees work, they will ultimately contribute to the Colombian economy. Immigration is a net plus over the medium term. However, obviously in the short term, it has its ups and downs. Colombia did not create either of these crises, the drug trade or the issues in Venezuela. Yet Colombia is left to deal with the consequences. Swayers of ungovernable territory in one part of the country, overstretched public services in another, and needs the right kind of help, less bullying to wage an unwinnable, unwinnable war on drugs, and more cash to cope with the refugee crisis in the middle of the pandemic. Or, I guess you could say, a little bit of both to help. It sounds like quite a predicament that they're in, so we just generally do wish the people of Colombia the best of luck with it.